Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for June 7th, 2020. And we are coming to you not live and on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Uh, uh, Trinity Sunday uh, this this Sunday, Bruce, right? I mean, yeah. This is, uh, we get to do it three times is what it means. <laughs> no, it just feels that way with the it's, long first reading. But Do we not do, we not do three th- services back to back to back? Is that not what we, Trinity Sunday is? No, no. And, and then we take ha- a two-week break? <laughs> and it's not having three cups of coffee, you know. Oh, oh it is. Either. It is. It is three <laughs> cups of coffee. No. Um, you are wrong there. Um, <laughs> yes. it, it always follows the Sunday of Pentecost. Right. Uh, and, and speaking of, so this is my, my favorite season of all, the season after Pentecost. Uh, which, uh, uh, good Lord, there's a lot of, there's a lot of season after Pentecost. Um, we're, we're kind of missing, um, I feel like a season should be in here, uh, to help break it up. Um, we have, we have a couple feast days, like All Saints Day in November, but yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a long green walk. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, the liturgical color is green. Oh yeah, that's right. And it is, it is, it is green outside and inside. Yeah, or online. Uh, and uh, and uh, but yeah. So it's it's this week uh, we get like uh, uh, the the world's longest first reading, and then the two shortest second reading and and gospel reading pair. I think that probably exists. Uh, probably. So. Uh, the lectionary framers, as they were, uh, saw fit to uh, curse one individual in the congregation. <laughs> <laughs> and like you, you will regret volunteering for this Sunday. <laughs> but uh, it's it, it's at least not a begat and uh, son of, it's not a lineage or genealogy or anything. Uh, no hard words in it. No hard words, nice and easy, and, and a very familiar story. But before we get to that, um, uh, I, I've got our word of the day, um, and uh, uh, Bruce, this might not shock you, but there are very few Q words to choose from, <laughs> and uh, I I used the good one last year. I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, quadragisma was our was our word last year, and I know that because there was only let's see one two three four legitimate words in the Q glossary and two, three that exist as well, but they say, see something else because it means something else. (laughs) And there's a better word. (laughs) Yeah. Like choir with a Q C choir. Really? Yeah. It doesn't give any information about the Q word. I also checked the choir definition to see if there was a Q like origin story or something like that. Yeah. Choir spelled with a Q U, uh, but uh, there's not. Uh, so uh, makes me wonder why that even exists yeah. in the glossary. But uh, <laughs> so uh, today's today's word is a Latin word, and we're going to test your BCP knowledge. Uh, oh. Quarite dominum. Oh man, or quarite quarite Q U A E R I T. I should know that, but I'll just say I don't. It's a uh, it's Canticle Ten, uh, and it's also known as the Second Song of Isaiah. Um, but uh, what I found interesting about this definition 
is that it does point to one of the topics that we've uh, addressed many times on uh, this podcast, which is that it is the second Isaiah. Uh, It's attributed to the second Isaiah, Mm -hmm. the one who lived some 150 years after Isaiah of Jerusalem during the Babylonian exile. So it points to the fact that there are multiple authors in Isaiah. Right. Um, And this is a Corit Dominum is taken from the second author of that book. Um, And uh, uh, this Canticle 10 or Corit Dominum is used for morning prayer on Fridays um, after the Old Testament reading, uh, except in Lent. And uh, at evening prayer after the Old Testament reading on Tuesdays, um, <clears throat> there is also a uh, a hymn, um, uh, the the hymnal, uh, the nineteen eighty two hymnal has six different musical settings for the Corat Dominum. So a shout out to our our music musicians uh, uh, listening, and uh, that's a that's S two seventeen all the way through S two twenty two. So all all six of those are taken from this Canticle ten. And I have had time to reach for my prayer book and tell you that the reason it has those two Latin words is the first um, three words of Canticle 10 is seek the Lord. Yes. Yes, that is that is correct. So that's and where that, that that's where that comes from. That's how the Canticles get their titles is by the um, Latin for in, of the opening line. Oh, OK. Oh, that. So they so they have to choose their first words carefully, or otherwise it's <laughs> named something super weird. <laughs> and yeah, the bull since, was split in twain. <laughs> since the Latin wasn't even invented when the time these candles were written, it's all luck of the draw now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's yes, let's let's read aloud. The bull was split in twain. I like that one. <laughs> That's not a, obviously not a real one, but the, that would be funny. <laughs> well, and part you know, most of the canticles, really all the canticles, are um, scriptural poetry, and so you know, very few po- poems start with a goofy line. Um, that's true. <laughs> so that that's that does true. raise the odds that it's not going to be a weird title. That is true. That is true. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that is. Um, the Q word that I was forced to take, uh, no offense to, what was my other option? Uh, the Diocese of Quincy oh, uh, okay. in Chicago. Um, which, and then which, you get a, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, which almost doesn't exist now, I believe. I think that's one of the dioceses that is uh, joining with the Diocese of Chicago for to be more efficient. Oh, interesting. It's not yep. uh, contained here in that definition, uh, but uh, but man, and it's an almost ongoing process. Or I may be I may be wrong about which diocese in Illinois is doing that. Gotcha. Uh, uh, the other option that I had was Charles Todd Quintard, uh, who not have yeah. done that one. Yeah. It, well, and it was a giant uh, dissertation of a uh, of of uh, his life. Uh, he was a bishop, bishop and educator uh, during the Civil War, so it goes through like oh. a, about like five or six different stories. It would have been hard to kind of uh, cut it down, but yes, um, yeah, I want to read the whole book on that. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
so yeah, uh, and and then choir with a Q U. <laughs> I'll look that up later. I'm curious about that. <laughs> Quin Quingasima Sunday, which is the pre Lent uh, season. Yeah. Um, uh, Quikunke Volt, which is a, an athe an Athanasian creed. Uh -huh. which is, so apparently the Latin for the Athanasian Creed. And then uh, the one we had last year, which was uh, Quadrigisma, um, which is the 40 days of Lent or the first Sunday in Lent. Um, so those are, we, we've, in this podcast, we've covered all the cues. <laughs> and, and all of them are, not surprisingly, the linguists, all of them, I believe, are from Latin. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, obviously, uh, not the... Uh, not the dude and not the diocese, but, uh, but yeah, the rest of them. But um, I, I wonder if those words were originally Latin. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, so shout out to let's, the, let's crawl out of this rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the cues and we're moving on. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and we do need to move on because this first reading is a doozy, uh, but, uh, just in length, not in, uh, uh, well, in, oh, in, in lots substance, of meaning. Too. Lots yeah, of meaning. Absolutely. I, I almost said uh, not in substance, but that's not true at all. Um, right. Uh, it almost flowed off the tongue. So uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, uh, verse 4a. It's the creation it, story. One it, of it, them. It, it, don't spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll shut up now. <laughs> For the no one on listening to the podcast that didn't figure that out with Genesis 1 verse 1. But uh, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the sky be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and the fruits of trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night and let there, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind, 
with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. So, um, you know. Any questions? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> no, no, uh. No, no significant story of any gravity, <laughs> you know, gravity. Just the, the the origins of our of our existence and our, our human experience. But uh, you know, so yeah, no questions. Um, so I guess I guess first and foremost, uh, just to kind of establish uh, ground rules as to how we approach the story uh, as the Episcopal Church. Is there a a a, uh, a common stance by uh, the Episcopal Church as to whether uh, uh, we we uh, lean literalist. Uh, do we lean figuratively on this story? Is this an oral tradition, or do we leave it up uh, for each individual to decide? How do we stand as a as, as a as a body? Well, first of all, as always with the Episcopal Church, we leave, we leave it to each individual to decide. But as a body, we take it figuratively that it's okay. a metaphor for both who God is. And for who we are, we as creation, and that would seem to kind of fit, uh, just uh, uh, at least to my reading it, um, uh, my terrible reading of it, but my reading of it um, um, kind of does definitely lend itself to to oral traditions. There are certain parts parts of it that uh, are kind of obviously simplified versions of things that we now know as far as like uh um um we have more information about the dome in the sky and the the the, the you know the the stars as far as uh what we have been able to travel and experience there's not so much a dome uh around the earth that uh, the the stars are are put into we have a little bit more understanding of of some of those kinds of things um and yet we still have a vast 
<laughs> a vast amount of unknown um, yeah. in in that knowledge. Uh, uh, so uh, it, it still is kind of interesting, but it does it does lend itself to kind of seem as though like I could very much picture this kind of a story being told uh, around a campfire by an elder of uh, of a, a, a group of people to young children uh, explaining. Yeah. You know where did we come from and why are we here? Um, it it kind of feels feels like that kind of an ancient kind of a, a traditional story. Well, yeah, I had a um, professor in seminary who said the only way to really begin to get into this story would be to s- sit on the edge of Lake Michigan, and this we were in sh- the Chicago area, and watch the sunrise over the water while reading this story. Hmm. And it, you know, really, <laughs> you get the special effects then. <laughs> yeah. Of why people would wonder how, how, why, what's it mean? Um, and how they might begin to be inspired by God as to how to address those questions. Right. Um, now, uh, this, this, I, I will say to the author, um, there were there this there was a way to make this story shorter <laughs> <laughs> um i i do find it interesting that the 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 author style is to say like oh god commanded xyz in some in some cases a b a through k uh to occur and then says it was so they could have almost left this the 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 line there and it was so um, but almost every time God speaks to, and says something should happen, the, the, uh, verse says, and it was so, and then the next verse goes into basically almost, almost repeating verbatim what God then said was to happen. So I'm kind of interested as to why that style is is done because it's it, it's already taken care of uh, um, from from a writing perspective of like you've already said that he said it and then it happened. Why any idea why there's this these extra words that are then repeating what he said and it already said it happened. Um, shoot. There are books written on that, so I'll try to really quickly summarize. One yeah, in, is in ten seconds or less. Yeah, <laughs> one is that that's that's a very traditional uh, Hebrew form of poetry, Hebrew language form. Oh, okay. Where where you have a repetition of thought, maybe not words. In this case, usually it's translated as as full phrases that are repeated. But um, we'll see this, and we have been seeing it as we've looked in Isaiah and other places that are full of poetry in the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. And this is and this is the opening poem. And so it mm-hmm. has that repetition. And really this this whole passage would work beautifully set as a hymn, as a song, and people would learn it fairly quickly because of that repetition. Oh, that's an issue. So it's, it's so kind of a call and response style. Yeah. Um, interesting. That's an issue. Okay, I hadn't hadn't thought of it that way from from like a Hindu yeah. perspective. And hmm. uh, and then there's a theological piece where 
it shows that God is so powerful that God just has to say it and it happens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, and it, it's, it's interesting to contrast it with the creation story that follows this one. That's the familiar God making Adam out of mud and then Eve out of a rib. This story is the, those two stories don't connect very well. And so in this one, everything is good and God speaks it into being. Whereas the Adam and Eve story, there's literally God taking clay and forming it. There's many have said sort of a more primitive view of who God is, where God has some kind of physical form to manipulate physical matter. Um, again, poetically, we don't think mm -hmm. it's literal, but it's just a different way of seeing God. So this is an image of God as very, very powerful, and yet also very, very mystical, mm -hmm. and and a God who is extremely pleased with creation rather than disappointed, which is kind of the punchline of the Adam and Eve story. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, that is in interesting that you point out that the, it, so there's basically two creation stories here contained in in the first part of two. Genesis. For the for one right after another, the first two chapters, right. which I think is also intentional because it gives us a sense as the as someone just getting into the uh, uh, Bible of what the Bible is going to be like. There'll be different perspectives presented, sometimes side by side, and part of the experience of reading the Bible is to live in those juxtapositions and. Right. Um, that way, in a sense, break open our consciousness out of the literal interpretation and into a more divine space. Hmm. That's an interesting uh, thing to point out, because, yeah, we do kind of lose sense of that. We kind of keep, uh, for the lectionary reading, we keep our, our, our focus on the one creation yeah. story and uh, avoid the muddied waters of presenting two that don't really... Um, don't really necessarily jive with each other, um, right? Now, what about um, what about this section that, that you kind of touched on uh, the the creation of humankind uh, here in verse uh, twenty six? Um, there's there's a little bit of alteration. I, I'm assuming by way of translation because in one. Uh, verse he says, "Let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness." Um, and then in the next verse, uh, uh, humankind is created in him, his image, in the image of, of God. Is that just a, a loss of, of translation with the uh, um, the the masculine use there, as opposed to the plural use, uh, or anything well, anything on that? Um. This is one of the things that people have debated probably since this was first told around the campfire. Why is God plural? And then why mm -hmm. is God singular within words of each other? Um, right. And so the reason we have, one of the reasons we might have this for Trinity Sunday is that Christians have often replied the 
plural refers to the Holy Trinity being present at creation, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Others have said that it has to do with um, with trying to trying to make trying to invite into the text people who presume that there are plural gods and that unless there's a plural dimension to God they'll presume that this is just one God among many so think of the Greeks and the Romans and their uh, right you know multiple gods of this that and the other thing um, so in so in a sense it's a it's almost an evangelism tool to throw that bone to them but then reel it right back in to make God singular and where it's a, where it's often translated as him in the Hebrew often the word is the singular word for God hmm. so it's really driving home this this uh, yet another um, both are true at the same time God plural God singular interesting well and I in, in light of that also I will note that this translation the, the version that we use um, is is different from um, others that are uh, that are that are currently in circulation um, specifically on verse 2 um, there are some that uh, say the Holy Spirit um, uh, over the the, the, yeah. the formless void, uh, and this version says uh, a wind from God. Um, so there's some there's some thought that that wind uh, is one of the other third of the yeah. the Trinity um, uh, involved in this story. Um, but again, for the purposes of of a creation story, how do you explain the Holy Spirit? Shoot, how do you explain the Holy Spirit now? But uh, uh, you know, back you know, even as far back as back then, how do you how do you convey that imagery to you know someone that you want to convey it to? Uh, wind would maybe be the closest. <laughs> yeah, know? that's a tough one to translate, only because it has so many meanings. Mm -hmm. It occurs. It, it's the ruach word. Um, in Hebrew, and of course, you. <laughs> God's going to get you for that. <laughs> it, it occurs 38, 38 times in the Old Testament really? in, in the Hebrew scriptures, and it, it's, it is a purposeful, it's a multi meaning word. I was going to say it's a purposeful pun, but that's just because of how English is developed. It doesn't have anything to do without, about how Hebrew developed. And it, it's a life-filled wind. Hmm. So it's the breath of life. It's what we breathe in. It's what God gives us that makes us have life. And so it's um, not just a generic wind. And it's one of those places where it's, you know, the people are trying to do a word-for-word -word translation. and. Right we lose a lot of layers of meaning. It's not technically the Holy Spirit, um, but it's also not just like a, what we understand a, a current evening wind to be or something. Gotcha. It, it is a holy term as well as 
meteorological occurrence. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder what the translation of the Bible would be uh, should it go into a robust explanation of the word being used. It would be... It would be insanely I've, large. <laughs> it would. Yeah, I've read, I've read some translations of uh, Genesis one um, by scholar poets, and it's probably twice as long as wow. what we have. Yeah, and and mm. even then, they're almost just scratching the surface. Huh. That's inter- that, that 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 is an interesting uh, uh, thought. Uh, that. Uh, I mean, it, it is. I mean, language conveys or it contains so much more than what's actually put down in words. Yeah. Um, so it is it, it, the, the concept of, of translation and actual meaning uh, meaning is uh, just uh, kind of blows the mind to think of like, what, what, what do they really mean? Uh, uh, because you can write something down, but what's the intent is one yeah. of the questions. And that you know that's a that you can see why people get kind of hooked into um um this uh this area this field of expertise because like once you start down that rabbit hole of like trying to develop original meaning that's it, a it's a it's a um that's a, tr- a a deep trip that you know, that goes yeah <laughs> pretty long and i'm only saying this half facetiously they didn't have emojis Right. And, and, yeah. and now I'm, I'm thinking with now this distant lifestyle so many of us are in where we're communicating so much with texts and emails, it's hard to transmit what we're really trying to um, emotionally mean. What are the nuances of what we're saying? And there have mm-hmm. been so many misunderstandings even before the various levels of social isolation of our written language, in part because we're becoming lousy writers but you know think of a text that's thousands of years old and we're trying to figure out now should that be a happy face should that be a sad face what right. what is the emotion behind these words is it and a that's, half smile a yeah. smile with sadness in the eyes what's going on and so one thing to keep in mind about first genesis is this is all happy faces right and, and yeah they kind of drive that home yeah so that was good and he saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. Yeah. And way too often we forget that. We just go right to Adam and Eve where the issues arose. And what right. we're sp- supposed to know is from the very beginning, God was happy with us all. And that that's God's main base inclination towards creation, including humanity. And I, I think it's important to point out to you what you uh, point out uh, and reiterate what you just said from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. not in the beginning <laughs> and then we messed up and it's been downhill ever since it's from the beginning. Um, the, 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 in, there is inherent good in the sky, the water, the winged birds of the air, the humankind, uh, you know, there's, it, it's, it is good. It still is good. Yeah. Um, and we still have, uh, we still have good in us, uh, uh, um, um, despite what we may may think sometimes about ourselves and about others. The other interesting thing about um, this passage is in the Hebrew Bible, particularly the Old Testament, the editors were very careful about word order 
and how things began and ended. And so the very first word of the Bible is earth. Hmm. It's not time, it's place. Huh. Isn't that a little mind-widening? Yeah, that is. That that's God's primary concern uh, in the Bible is the earth. It's interesting. And then we translate it as like, once upon a time. Yeah. <laughs> huh. That is interesting. Um, but I, I, you gotta, I mean, if you think about it, um, uh, uh, we do tell stories a little backwards uh, in, yeah. in that regards. Uh, if you are wanting to know a story, the important question is where? first not when i mean Maybe. they, they yeah. follow they, mm -hmm. I, I would say they, they you know they follow kind of rapid succession but if you really want to to uh um um if you really want to set the st a stage you're going to you like think of state i think of like stage directions right yeah uh, you go the, the the way you do it use like exterior night uh you <laughs> yes. know yes yeah <laughs> Uh, a shadowless figure, like you know. So where, when, and who it would be would be third. But uh, but it it uh, that is interesting that we 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 tell we tell stories the other way. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid in elementary school, way back when. We, one of the things we were taught was how to read a newspaper, and one of the first things we were taught was look for the little um, parenthesis at the beginning where it says where this story is being reported from. Hmm. So the, the story that was being reported from Fishers, Indiana, would say Fishers IN, or maybe, anyway, Fishers IN, and then the text of the story would begin. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, uh, as you pointed out, books and books. Yes. And books have been written on this this uh, passage alone. So we could obviously go on uh, forever. Is there anything else that you would like to 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 say before we uh, no. leave this story for now? I think I got the highlights. Good deal. All right. Um, well, let's go on to uh, our second reading of the day, which is Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verses eleven through thirteen. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace be, will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Be with all of you. Um, and that's it. Uh, so the <laughs> ending, it, the ending of the second book of Corinthians. Right, right. Um, this is um, uh, this is the author's goodbyes. Um, it gives a, a nice little list uh, here of in summation. Here's what you should. <laughs> here's what you should do. Put 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 things in order. Uh, uh, listen listen to what I've said. Agree with one another and love and peace. And and as a result, the God of uh, of love and peace will be with you. Um, so it's, it's very instructional. It, this is, it feels kind of like in summation. Um, and, uh, um, 
what else what what else can be said about the ending of this letter what's the remind us who obviously uh well i shouldn't say obviously second uh, corinthians is a letter to the corinthians right, right. so the context uh, uh is is there we'll, we'll 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 learn from our last conversation to say where first so this is the uh, <laughs> corinthians uh, uh so in corinth so in greece yes right um it's written by it is almost certainly written by Paul. Written by Paul. Um, though, though this <laughs> letter, <laughs> this letter, unlike First Corinthians, has some disjointedness to it, mm-hmm. and so there's some speculation that it might have been two or three letters written by Paul to um, Corinth. That were put together into a single collection. Gotcha. So it could be a collection of work. Yeah, the but, it, but there's pretty there's universal belief among scholars that it was Paul, right? Um, I think we can kind of I think we can kind of pick out uh, uh, the reading the the reason why this reading is used for this Sunday, and it's contained there in uh, verse thirteen: uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. So right there in that one verse, you get the Trinity, and not only the Trinity, but you also get a key characteristic that the author attributes to uh, each section right. of the Trinity. Uh, the grace of Christ, love love is for God, and uh, communion uh, is uh, from the Holy, uh, attributed, he's attributing to the Holy Spirit. Right, um, that's, what, that's what binds us together. Right. Which is which is a, a, a an interesting thing to uh, dissect and then think about uh, each each uh, section of that statement, right? The um, uh, grace um, uh, being uh, the author attributing to um, uh, Christ, uh, love, um, which kind of echoes our last reading of of seeing that all all, all of it was good. Uh, the, the, we're still all God's creation, and He's still very pleased with uh, with us, and He loves His creation. And then the ties that bind, being the Holy Spirit, we're all we're all communed together and intertwined. Um, anything? I'm trying to think. It's so short that you like you kind of have to. I'm I'm struggling to identify a, a specific question about this, other than I guess. Um, um, the way that that the author puts things in verse eleven as to what to do, uh, remind us what the topic was here for for this letter, or what the author, at least in the previous uh, um, uh, verses or chapters, might have been saying. What was he suggesting that that uh, uh, they put in order? What was his appeal? Uh, was that, it that they behave better? Basically, <laughs> it's like, don't make me come over there. <laughs> so, so this is, this is, a this, if reworded would sound like most uh, parental scoldings there ever was. Yeah. <laughs> Straighten hey. up, do what I told you to stop fighting with your sister and, and, <laughs> And and live in peace. Uh, stop hitting each other. Um, <laughs> well, and sorry. this is well, and, and you know, 
he goes right into the old parental cliche of I have suffered so much for you and you're so ungrateful and yeah, <laughs> I work my fingers to the bone for you and right. all you do is mess up. <laughs> I even gave you a babysitter in Titus and you took advantage of him. <laughs> oh, poor Titus. I mean, that's literally how it's translated. Not babysitter, but yeah, you took advantage yeah. of Titus. And Great. Oh, yeah, man. so it's this this five chapters of scolding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that really is kind of a hoot to read when you realize that's what's going on. That this isn't heavy theology. It's instead, yeah, <laughs> straighten up. Right. <laughs> what are you sake. doing? You you made Titus cry. Why? Yeah. <laughs> You broke the nice things. You, right. This is why you can't have nice things, Corinthians. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's kind of funny. It kind of throws us off off kilter for the uh, the purposes why this was chosen for this Sunday. But I love it. Um. Well, it, yeah, it's it's one of these things where we one of these instances where we can take scripture overly seriously, mm-hmm. and if we if we look at it, perhaps it takes fresh eyes, I'm not sure how to describe it exactly, and and look at it and say, oh, yeah, this this is a group of folks that Paul's now written multiple letters to, and there's and he's visited and he's sent Titus, and they're still not getting it. And yep. it, or they're getting it and they're backsliding. And so it's a very human, human letter to a group of humans. These are not perfect people by any measure. And I think it gives us reassurance that we're not going to be perfect either. And actually gives us some pathways towards getting back on track. Because Paul does give some good advice about how to stop breaking the nice things. Yeah, and and I I suppose it's it's worth pointing out as well. uh, Very little gets written and saved down through the generations when everything's going well. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody is compelled to write a book of like, yeah, that was, you know... We're doing great. All yeah. things at 100%. Good job, everybody. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. It's a, that's, that's generally not uh, uh, what, if things like that do get written, and they do, but uh, uh, they usually don't stand the test of time. Because right. like, no, no, one, no one needs to remember, um, uh, um, no, no one really remembers the good times. We're always, we're always remembering uh, when we messed up or what we well, could have done better. You know, my my manual for my vacuum cleaner is folded to the troubleshooting page, not the what are the new features page. <laughs> Congratulations on your purchase! Yeah, no. skip over exciting, that. Exciting days are ahead of you. <laughs> Let me just throw that why, part away. Why is this thing not working? Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's kind of funny. Um, so, re- so really, the, the 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 Bible is is primarily the troubleshooting page of a of a uh, how to how to how to be human guide. Um, many in many ways, yeah. That's a that's an interesting way to view it. Um, uh, shall we move on to the gospel reading? Then we should. All right. Uh, we are in Matthew uh, today, and this is chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is, uh, contextually, this is when in um, the Jesus story. Uh, this, where does, this, this is one yeah. of the um, resurrection appearances. Okay. So it's after Easter. And in Matthew, he's, he has very, very few resurrection appearances. So hmm. this, this is one of the few. Oh, that's interesting. Um, They're all in one uh, chapter. Oh, they're all here in chapter, chapter 28. 28. Hmm. Um, this, this kind of, um, this kind of, uh, this gospel kind of feels as though it, it, it is, has a hook into last Sunday. Um, just in that, um, here you kind of see that commencement, um, authorization go forth. Yeah. Uh, uh go therefore make disciples of all nations. Uh, we, we get that kind of command that, that that kind of ties into specifically the Pentecost or with the, with the um, being kind of uh, um, anointed with the Holy Spirit as it were and, and given tools to 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 reach uh, others um, this is uh, so this is Jesus's version uh, directly to the disciples and and kind of giving them direction for this is what this is what you're going to be doing this is right. before I leave. Uh, uh, this is what I ask you to do. And uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So you better do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, more, more. So you can do it. You're so you able to do it. do it. Right. Feel empowered. Uh, 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 realize that this is, uh, this is what you are being called for and, and uh, asked to do. And that, that, yeah, like you said, that, that, that you have the ability to, and the power to uh, to do that, do so, um, and again, obvious uh, as as to the the reference to uh, for for this Sunday, the reference here uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and right. the Holy Spirit. So it's a very specific Trinity reference, um, um, and uh, I, I do find this interesting that uh, he does end this not not just with. Uh, a commandment and uh, authority for such a commandment, uh, and uh, uh, he he, and as you pointed out, even that authority is a little bit of encouragement. But he kind of does then circle back around and say and give them further encouragement. Remember that I am with you always. Um, a little bit of foreshadowing, but also, look, even when you're not not around me, um, that authority carries with you and. And um, I'm still there. Yeah, and and I'm 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 there in all that you do. Um, yeah. I'd feel pretty empowered if I were uh, one of these disciples. I'd feel really good about <laughs> the prospects of what I, of uh, of uh, what I'm about to, to to go forward and do. I'd be pretty pumped up. Yeah, and it's one of the interesting things is that whereas. In the Gospel of John, Jesus emphasizes that he's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them always. In Matthew, it's Jesus himself who is with them always. And it's not a hmm. huge issue, but it's just one of those interesting different ways of describing the dynamic of how do we experience God with us. Right. Right. 
Um, anything, goodness, anything else about, uh, about this? I mean, obviously, um, um, uh, as I pointed out, uh, I, I'd feel pretty empowered and pumped up after this. Uh, obviously the, the follow through of going and making disciples of all nations, uh, does come with its fair set of challenges specifically for the, these disciples. Um, uh, um, I, I kind of I keep thinking about how they would have um, maybe thought back to this experience uh, during their times of persecution and being jailed and um, from many of them, all of them being killed. Probably, yeah, we believe all of them ended up being killed, being mm. martyred for the faith. Mm. Um, some by Romans, some by um, other empires, but. Yeah, none of them lived, as far as we know, none of them died of old age. Hmm. Um, and that's a, and, and that's a, I, I, I think that these words might have been words of comfort for, for them. Yes. Um, thinking back to that moment and saying, and knowing that Jesus had said to them, like, no, I'm still going to be with you. Yeah. And what's interesting is, I'm trying to figure out how to say this quickly, so I probably should just start talking and get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> Is that he doesn't use language that puts a lot of pressure on the disciples to do it perfectly. Instead, he basically is telling them to live by ex live by example, mm -hmm. um, and then it will all work out. Um, teaching. Um, but it's not so much the, um, you gotta get them to toe the line or else you're not doing your job. It's instead what, you know, to use a common phrase nowadays, they're all adults. You present them with the information. Most importantly, you give a good example and God will take care of the rest. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that it, he doesn't really sit forward. This isn't a this isn't a, uh, a ten day seminar where no. <laughs> you know you get your pamphlets and your checklists and, uh, and talking like, right, points. So, yeah, so you got to definitely hit these highlights, but it doesn't count unless X Y Z. Uh, you're right. It, it it it's fairly at least encapsulated here, fairly short and sweet and open ended. Um, go forward make them disciples, baptize them, and teach them, uh, you know, everything I've commanded you. And I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, and the, the disciple term is a loaded one in Christianity. Um, and really what the Greek term is about is help them to become students. Mm. So it's not so much to help them become followers of, you know, to be good Christians. It's instead just open their hearts gotcha. as best you can, teach them, and live out the commandments yourself, and God takes care of the rest. That's an interesting point, thing to point out. So, so it's more like a, it's more like you know, uh, um, not not necessarily that you have to make apprentices of them, but as behave as though you, as the teacher, are in an apprenticeship. And that, and that live by example and 
teach as you go along, and they'll either pick up the craft or they won't. Right. Right. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So there's you know there's no scorecard about um, which is implied in some of the other New Testament writings that unless you convert all nations, then the second coming won't happen. Or maybe that's the math we end up doing. Um, it's instead, yeah, love me. Jesus saying, love me and live according to the commandments I've given you over these last number of years. And people will see that and they'll follow. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, which is consistent with Jesus's words throughout the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah, that there's this very strong live by example ethic mm. and technique as to how do people become Christians. Um, and the other interesting thing is this is the only time that the 11 apostles see the resurrected Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. He doesn't have a Doubting Thomas story, right? No Doubting Thomas story, no um, appearance to Peter, no um, road to Emmaus. This is it. Hmm. So that's just one brief conversation. And so in Matthew, it's very much the um, Jesus with us always resurrection presumption rather than particular um, miraculous visions of Jesus by the various followers of Jesus. He does appear to the women walking back from the tomb in Matthew. That's one appearance, and then this is the second appearance, and that's it. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's... That's pretty abbreviated compared to uh, some of the others. Yeah, especially John, where he's, he keeps popping up. Yep. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, um, in the spirit of Matthew 28 here, um, uh, let, us, let us go forward. and, and <laughs> Live by example. I'm, now that I've said that, I'm pleased. I, man, I don't, don't uh, hold me to this light. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, actually, it's easier if all we would have to do is hand out Bibles or something. Yeah, that would be that would be easier. Uh, the yeah, the the uh, uh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to sit and ponder on this and maybe rethink some of my behavior. Uh, so, um, which is which is probably the uh, the intent. Um, yeah, that's right. It's working. Um, dang it. Uh, <laughs> So much easier for me to think of myself as perfect, um, which is obviously not the case. But uh, so not for uh, any of us. Not for any of us. Um, so join join me in this boat of uh, introspection, yeah. <laughs> thought, and uh, um, but uh, with that, I think we'll end our podcast for uh, the Trinity Sunday, June seventh. Uh, we, uh, as always, we look forward to uh, seeing you online. Uh, we will have our uh, uh, worship service available on our uh, YouTube channel, HFEC Videos. There's a live uh, uh, Facebook watch party at 9 o'clock on Sunday. Um, links East, to... Eastern Daylight Time. Yes, yeah, sorry, e EST. Um, and uh, there's links to a whole slew of things uh, on our, on our uh, website, hfec.org. All um, sorts of good resources for living through this time. Yeah, absolutely. So we encourage you to to to, to uh, check some of that out. Uh, feel free to uh, email us at shortcut at hfec.org uh, with any questions or concerns. Um, and until next week, I'm Ben. 
And I'm Bruce. And we'll speak to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.